Hello, listeners. This is Jim the Keys bartender. Good morning, good afternoon, good e- evening. I almost forgot that whole greeting. Sorry, I only came to you twice this week. A friend of mine suggested that I hold back and maybe not put so many episodes out because maybe I'm diluting what limited content I have. And for once, I have to agree. I have to start listening to people, but I mean, you got to follow your dream, but you got to still listen to people too. You got to be able, you can't just live in that echo chamber. Uh, it is, once again, I'm going to give you the, it is beautiful right now. It is beautiful. Uh, the humidity like is manageable. It's in, it's like 83, 84 degrees. We're expecting it next week to be in the lower eighties. You know, it's just perfect when it's there. And uh, I, I was feeling a bit under weather last week and a half. Hopefully I'm out of it. I got some medication and I'm ready. I'm ready to handle the world now. Uh, today, after I went to the gym, I taught my spin class in the morning. I chose to vote. They have early voting down here. And I'm not going to tell you who I voted for, but if you know me really well, you probably have a good chance, good idea of what group of people I voted for. But like I said, I'm not going to harbor any of these uh, feelings. And this is not a political show. This is more social and well-being show and obviously bartender show. So I go to our local government building. It's a county government building. Got to think that Monroe County is very Long is one of the longest counties around, if you think about it. You know, probably in Alaska and some of the bigger states have those too. But we got over 120 miles. Yeah, it's strange, but very thin, long and thin. Bad if you're uh, not necessarily the best way to have. I guess Hawaii is like that too. They got counties, but each one may be an island. I don't know. But we're a string of 43 islands down the Keys. And they have uh, several, uh, We our main government building down here, instead of uh, Key West, they have a municipal government marathon. They have one. They have uh, a municipality, Isle Mirada. But Key Largo, we don't. But we use our county building. And a county building is literally a block and a half away from me at the top of my street. And I go in for early voting. And as I go in, Florida has one of those, you know, thing where you fill in the dots. It's almost like an SAT multiple choice thing. It's always multiple choice with elections, right? It should be, unless you're in North Korea, then you only have one. You got either Kim Il Jung or whatever his name, Kim Un. Oh my God, I even forgot his name. It's all the Jung family or Un family or something. Kim Jun Un, that's his name. So it's only him. Right, they don't give you another choice. Maybe they, maybe they do give you another choice. I don't know. I just assume they just didn't have another choice over there. But here, you go in, you fill, you you fill it out in a little. Uh, they got these little folding plastic tables with these partitions, so people aren't looking over, cheating off you, like people are trying to copy your votes. No, they're not trying to copy your votes. But then you walk over, you take your completed form, and. They allow you to put it into a machine that records the vote. And uh, 
you know, there's a lot of people always question those electronic voting things. I'm not getting into that here. So, but on the way out, actually, I noticed it on the way in, but I'm going to mention it on the way out. They have a huge book uh, vending machine. It's, it looks to be about, I don't want to exaggerate, 10 feet wide over six, seven feet high. It's like a big vending machine with a conveyor. And it's from the library. It has books and DVDs in it. And what you do, if you have a Monroe County, County uh, library card, and I used to have that when I went to the library a lot in the beginning, uh, before, you know, it was a slow transition switching over to that stuff. But libraries are very important. I, I, I always thought libraries were very important and they will remain important for some time sometime but you know as paper we go away from a paper more paperless society almost most of the reading i get now when i'm reading fiction or things i order and things like that it's all downloaded onto my reader whatever it's going to be onto my chromebook or it's going to be on my phone but what they have is these conveyor belts with it's like a big candy machine and it had three or four Three or four rows of books. And you can return books there too. There's just a big, big vending machine. And I was looking at it and I go, wow, that's kind of interesting that they're putting these uh, machines out considering, you know, there's all sorts of, it's, it's like a, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like when Sears tried to go online and try to make their try to make the transition to an online company. I spoke about it on several episodes that Sears had an excellent opportunity of doing it way before anybody else, but they got rid of their distribution centers before they got heavily into online, and then they ended up going bankrupt before they could make the transition. Uh, libraries. That's the thing with libraries. The nice thing about libraries also, this is a, a good thing. You can get e-readers and download e-readers from uh, public libraries. They get, they get books. They get digital books. And I guess they can loan out multiple copies. I think that's really interesting. There's, way, the way, there's ways to do it. There's a way to have libraries survive and do the service that libraries do hold on a second i'm just going to shut this door so i'm right next to the air conditioning because the people across the street are doing some construction they're pouring concrete right now so it gets kind of loud so i left the door open one moment i'm still here i just had to sign shut the door i am in my daughter's room right i was talking about the vending machine but i'm in my daughter's room right now recording this show so yeah, that that was the first time I hadn't been in the government center since I last voted in the spring, and they put a vending machine. And it looks like an interesting vending machine. It looks like how many kind of vending machines they come out with like this. I mean, it must be multi-purpose. There must be another way. It looks like it could be possible. You can have sandwiches come out of it. You know, because of DVDs. I mean, DVDs are dying out too. If you think about it, a lot of people are just streaming their movies. Like, who who owns it? You can actually buy a movie 
online from for cheaper than you could buy a DVD or about the same price as DVDs. I know when they release a movie for like $25, you can pretty much buy the movie if you want and watch it forever as long as you have the storage capacity for it. We're going to move on from there. We are the Keys Bartender Show, right? And I'm starting to do this. I'm thinking we should, if it's if I have bartender name, I should mention something that's helpful to people that may think about becoming bartenders or bartenders trying to improve their craft. I'm not saying an expert, but what I do is sometimes I focus on some of these things. And today I wanted to talk about NFL. Not football. No fucking line. That's the thing what people say when they're ordering like a rum and coke or a gin and tonic. They go NFL. This is no fucking line. I used to be insulted by that. But then I realized... It's, you know, when someone says NFL after they say a drink and stuff, it just means no lime. They don't have to say no lime. They just do the three letters, NFL. I don't know if it's easier or not. In a loud environment, it really works. But the lime has come a long way, really. And over a long, slow progression. But people always incorporating lime into new drinks, right? There's lime as a garnish. And there's lime as an essential ingredient in the drinks. So for a lot of these cocktails like rum and coke, gin and tonic, vodka tonic, vodka club, um, you get you get a lime um, garnish for it. Most of the time it's standard. And when I first started learning the bartending, uh, bartending when I was in college, it was all kind of new to me and now it's kind of like second nature just through the years like this it has to be like a neutral spirit and lime has to add not confuse so sometimes i'll put a lime in it sometimes i won't put a lime in it someone orders a top shelf vodka with club soda i'll ask them if they want any fruit with it a lime or a lemon we're not talking about lemon today we're talking about lime or the same thing with rum and cokes. I know a lot of people that drink rum and cokes that don't like lime. They don't want any citrus to do with it. Or when they're drinking their premium club soda and or premium vodka and club soda, they don't want to confuse the taste. They like the taste of that. And sometimes they do. But then, so with those drinks, you pretty much are touch and go. And if you're not sure, and if you're charging a lot, if you're charging a lot, if someone's ordering rum and coke for the first time, they'll tell you if they don't like lime. They should tell you if they don't like lime because almost every time you order rum and coke, you should get a lime. And actually, it's a rum and coke. When you put a lime on it, it becomes a Cuba Libra. I know. Weird, huh? Just throwing a lime on it. Now there's, and, and there's a Cape Cod. Now a Cape Cod is a vodka and cranberry. That's a cocktail. But you put a lime on it. That's a Cape Cod, a, a vodka and cranberry. Some people just want a vodka and cranberry, no lime. I know people that drink that without any lime. They just don't want to have that. They, they like the cranberry, they like the vodka. No need to get any deeper. But then there's the integral lime drinks. You have the Gimlet. The Gimlet's the lime martini. Okay? Gimlet's a lime martini. And I'm going to say one thing in the beginning right now when we're talking about limes, especially lime drinks. 
30, 40 years ago, you would get like four or five limes for your bar and cut them up. And just use those for garnishes. But nowadays, uh, and if you were making a gimlet, you'd use Rose's lime juice. And Rose's lime juice is something that's stored you know, at the bar. And it's sweetened lime juice. And a lot of people say shit about uh, those lime juice and stuff like that. But they do serve their purpose. A lot of times, when you when you had a gimlet, it, it almost... What you do is you put about a two-ounce pour in a glass of gimlet. would start out with gin or vodka gimlet. And then you put a little lime juice in it. A rose's lime juice. And if it was regular lime juice, you'd be, use that and maybe a little simple syrup to sweeten it so it wouldn't be so sour. And you garnish it with lime and pour it in a martini glass, strained. Or you could do it over ice, right? You have the mojito. Mojito is lime and mint, integral. And you muddle the lime and mint. I'm not going over the preparations of the drinks. Margarita, a Paloma, a Lime Ricky. They got Vodka Rickies, Gin Ricky, Rum Rickies, uh, Whiskey Rickies, Bourbon Rickies. They have, uh, what else am I mean? A Moscow Mule. Any of the mules. Sometimes you got a Bourbon Mule too. Has a little lime juice. Whenever there's a lime present, lime juice present in the drink, using a lime garnish usually get shouldn't get people their panties in a twist. Because it already has lime juice in it. So you can be rest assured on that. Now the weird thing, there's one drink, and there's other drinks too, where the garnishes don't really match the ingredients. And that's the Cosmopolitan. The Cosmopolitan originally, and I've seen other people do it, it was vodka, triple sec, a splash of cranberry, and a splash of Rose's lime juice. Now, Fresh lime juice. But the garnish, which was years ago, was the lime, became a lemon twist. Not a whole lemon, just a lemon twist. And there's no lemon juice in the Cosmo. Now, there's some variations on it that may be. But yeah, a lemon twist, which is lemon without the meat of the fruit, just the, the peel. And it's usually a thin strip. People get fancy with them sometimes. They kind of like to spark the juices on it. And I'll talk about that maybe sometime in the future. But I don't see much. It's more of a visual thing when you do that. People do that with orange rinds and stuff like that. But all those drinks that I mentioned where lime juice is integral. Yes, like I said, get a lime on it. So getting back to the roses, lime juice. Now you. We use Rose's lime juice in all those drinks before. A lot of bars do because they don't want to get involved. Sometimes you get in these. They're, if you go into a, a bar, and let's say it's a dive bar or a local bar, who wants to, do you want Rose's lime juice or you want fresh lime juice? If you're drinking happy hour liquor, you shouldn't expect premium ingredients all the time, Right? And these bars do that. They want to make them fast, quick, and cheap. So they're going to use the biggest shortcuts. And shortcuts aren't always the worst thing in the world. 
They, you could still make a good drink with artificial things in it. Coca-Cola is made with a lot of artificial sweeteners and, uh, you know, corn syrup and things like that. I th- believe Mexican Coca-Cola is better because that's made with real cane sugar. And uh, I get distracted when I think about that stuff. But the ro- Rose's lime juice is perfectly fine for a lot of instances. But as you go up the ladder in more premium drinks, you start cheap charging people more, like $12, $14 martinis, you really got to consider using fresh lime juice and pulling back from it. Because fresh lime juice is a little more sour, a lot more sour. When you say Rose's lime juice is sweet, probably sweet. In order to make that lime lime juice sweet, you got to put simple syrup or agave nectar. A lot of people, you make your margaritas originally were made with lime juice and a little powder. I mean, you use some kind of sugar, but now it's agave nectar. And you could do a lot with fresh lime juice. You can kind of uh, put, you can make a, what would you call it, a skinny margarita and use a little artificial sweetener in there. You mix that up. You can make it whatever artificial sweet. The nice thing with fresh lime juice, someone says, well, I like NutraSweet. I like, what's the pink stuff? Sweet and low, right? Stevia, whatever that is. People have this little thing, they bring their own sweetener in. I try to forego a lot of sweetener. I don't use a lot of sugars in the things I do. Not for dietary reasons, because I want to keep my teeth, because I like, when I'm eating sugar, I want it to be candy. Or ice cream. Or cake. I don't want to be drinking it. That's just the way I ingest it. But getting back to limes. Now you got the types of limes. Now, the most popular lime is the Persian lime. And ironically, the Persian lime, Persia, which is modern day Iran, Persian lime didn't come from, lime didn't come from Persia. It came from California. But they're the most popular ones. And then you have... Other limes, you got a whole bunch of different varieties of limes, but the most, the, I guess the second most po- popular would be the Tahitian lime. And the Tahitian lime is the juiciest of limes. And it is uh, really good if you, well, I've, if you have to extract lime from, you know, lime juice. You use a, a lot of times I use a hand squeezer, cut it in half, squeeze it. It's a, it's a very manually intense and it's good for strengthening your hand. It's good to switch it up, things like that. Or you can use one of the ones that, you know, big contraption, the, the press, a lime press or a fruit press. But I just like the hand one. It's good for your hands. It keeps it strong. Most bartenders are able to handle that. And uh, if you do have, and it's great for converting those limes that get all brown. Persian limes sometimes have a thinner skin. And the older the limes are, the thinner the rind gets, and then it gets, starts getting brown spots. Even with the brown and things like that, and when the lime is getting softer, just before it turns, that's when you're going to get the most juice out of it. And that's pretty good to do. You can make a whole bunch of juice. Once your limes are about to turn, instead of throwing them out, you can make fresh limes. Don't use your brand new limes, because the brand new limes, you may not be able to, especially... You know, these really nice green ones, these super green limes, they're just sometimes they're so dry and you could be squeezing really 
tough. They got thick. They got a thick skin, and you may not get much out of it. A couple of years back, there was a shortage of limes, and the uh, price for a case of limes was astronomical. And I heard several stories of why the prices went up. We get in at least in the United States, we get most of our limes from Mexico, and. There was a, one of the stories I heard was the cartels uh, started seizing the lime orchards or, you know, restricting the trade and driving up the price of limes and things like that. But you know what restaurants do when they do that? Especially family restaurants. They buy more lemons. They're not as hung up on it. So there's only a couple, it's, it's funny how when Supplies restricted of some things. People get really creative on that stuff. But, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is when you're using a lime as a garnish. Now, there's, for years, for years, and I was the worst offender, I would cut it from top to bottom. From top to bottom in half. From the top where it would have been attached to the stem, to the bottom where it has a little point. And then cut the ends off, cut it in half, and cut half moons. And cut down the middle so you can have a little cut so you put on the edge of the glass. So you have a flat half moon. Now other people would take it and cut it into a whole circle, a whole moon. You cut it lengthwise... When I say lengthwise, you cut it from the top to the bottom, straight cuts down 90 degrees, and a little cut on the wheel, and you put it on the edge of the glass. Now I'm more, and that's, they are very decorative and they look nice that way. But the best way is a wedge. Is a wedge. And a lot of people won't tell you this. When it cuts, when you cut a wedge, you got to just be really careful with cutting your limes. You can buy machines that do the cutting or press. That cuts the line. It's another a cutting press, I guess you would want to call it. And you put the fruit in, and it has the blades as almonds. You got potato slicers that make French fries like that and stuff like that, similar. But it cuts it into eight slices, and you just pull the handle down and you do that. I cut them by hand, and after doing them for years, you just got to be really careful doing that, especially when you get the smaller one. Your your knife, you got to be really cognizant. You like I like to use the same knife for the longest time because I'm used to the cut and I rarely ever nick my fingers and it's a big deal when you nick your fingers it is such a big deal and you could do much worse but that wedge what I do is I cut it in half the same way as I would a half moon but then I take the knife in through the the middle of the lime and cut the flesh inside just a little cut not all the way not all the way to the skin You have to have the skin there. You don't want the knife cutting through. You just want to cut the flesh and halfway through. So when you have the wedge, you can put it right on the edge of the glass. And there's a cut right there and already put in there. And if you don't, there's some people that want to cut the ends off the limes. The farthest reaches off the wedge because it looks better. Yeah, it may look better. But what happens when you cut that end? It dries out faster. So you can do that. And you got to be careful how many limes you cut and stuff like that because you don't want limes and lemons and oranges sitting around too long because they get dry. 
that's all I have to say about that today. I want to talk about, you know what this time of the show is, about our sponsor, Key Largo Chocolates. Operated by the Peterson family here in Key Largo, with also a store in Isle Morada. They're chocolatiers, much like Willy Wonka or Mars family and things like that. But unlike that, unlike Willy Wonka, they're real. And unlike the Mars family, they're not mass-produced. These are like a real boutique-style chocolates and fudges and and uh, other confections they had. I drew a blank right there for a second. I apologize for that. But they they have this great they have a great selection of chocolates and sweets and like key lime fudge, key lime pie, key lime uh, pie ice cream bar uh, key lime pie frozen key lime pie bars. And they also at both their stores they have thirty six flavors of small batch ice cream. And it's a great place to stop before, after dinner, you know, in place of dinner. You know, I would not, you know, eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But it does have dairy in it. <clears throat> so, if you are in town, they do have those places. When you're in Isle Morada or Key Largo, if you're listening to podcasts, you know what the great thing about it? I'm going to make the assumption you also have a navigation app. So you'll be able to, when you're in the Keys, just put in Key Largo cho- Chocolates and make sure you stop there. Check out the hours. You can also go online to their website, www.keylargochocolates.com. And you can see all their wares and all the services they provide and their locations and the history of they, you know, how they got into making chocolates and stuff like that. I'm sure it's very interesting. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to probably do a show from their location pretty soon. Pretty soon. And probably I am considering doing the uh, show with a video component. So that would be the one to do with a video component. So that's that with that. And I'd like to thank them for being our sponsor. And once again, that website is www.keylargochocolates.com, the sponsors of our show. When I'm at the bar sometimes, a lot of times when regulars come in or non-regulars come in, things like that, we'll just, one of the topics we talk about is, I like a good movie or a good TV show every so often. I like historical documentaries. I like historical fiction. I like sci-fi. I love comedy. I love spy thrillers. I like some action movies. You know, some some of them. I'm not all. As I get older, I'm not really into... Uh, but never... I mean, sometimes the martial arts movies, they, they were very interesting. Especially the Chinese martial arts movies. I know you think, aren't the martial arts movie all Chinese? No. No, there's American martial arts movies. Right? Enter the Dragon was an American, wasn't it? Or it could have been made in Taiwan. I don't know. But with that, and I like foreign films. With the advent of streaming services, there is such a selection. I mentioned before, such a selection, and it's sometimes it's almost impossible to find anything. In the old days, with three networks, 
before counting Fox when Fox came along. But there was a limited amount of choice you had. And you think, well, with only a limited amount of choice, and, and there was a lot of people, you know, you had a big audience. So four, four channels. And then you have your local channels. Some places have maybe seven channels, seven, eight channels. But, you know, there's other smaller channels. And that they, they show, like, reruns of old movies and things like that. Or old TV shows. Now, with the streaming services, and the, every streaming service has their own show. They produce their own show. And then you have foreign shows that come to the United States. I'm sorry if you hear that buzzing. They're just using, it's called a... What do they call that? A um, uh, they're pouring concrete across the street, and they're using it's called the. When I was in the construction business, they called it the dick. And what it was was a, a a vibrating tool you put in the concrete when you pour it, and it smooths it out and makes it level, and creates an even spread. Boy, that's innuendo right there. And that's what you're hearing. Buzz. It's like a heavy-duty vibrator, but it vibrates that concrete. So, as I was saying, these foreign shows, I really enjoyed. There was, uh, during the pandemic, we really needed those things because there was a limited, I mean, if you think about it. We were stuck at home. You couldn't go anywhere. And... I watched a lot of TV as it was. So, I mean, I didn't have a deep inventory or deep library of shows that I haven't seen. But there were foreign shows. Now you see things, some really great content. Right now on Apple, there's a show called Bad Sisters, which I think is ex- excellent. It's from Ireland. There was one called Franca Ireland, one's called uh, Dairy Girls. But there's a, on HBO, they have the Italian, uh, what was it, My Beautiful Friend, uh, a couple other shows. There's French the, um, a French zombie show. Forget that one. But that was pretty good. A French murder mystery. A lot of people, I understand you don't like subtitles. I don't want to work. But I have to talk about one. It's called Acapulco. It's on Apple TV. It's in Spanish and English. And it follows this guy, Maximo. And it's in present day. He's a, he's a super wealthy man of Mexican origin, but he lives in California. And it's his nephew's birthday. And instead of taking his nephew on a great trip, he's going to just regale him with these stories about working in a resort in Acapulco, where he grew up. And I have to say, kudos. It's in English and Spanish, as I said earlier. So when they switch over to Spanish... The um, English subtitles, you know, top on. And the reason they work in the English is that the resort they're in, the people that run the resort said in front of the people, in front of the guests, they wanted to speak English. So they work in a reason why it would be in English. But when they're with each other, they're speaking in Spanish. I think they're getting more, I think shows like this are getting more and more an audience here because there's people that are used to, first of all, subtitles. People are getting more used to seeing Spanish here in the United States. I'm not, if you have a problem with that, probably don't listen to the rest of the show. If you have a problem with Spanish being spoken in the United States, 
I don't have a problem with it. And uh, we'll go over why that is. But for this show, I'm going to talk about why this show is, I think it's good. It doesn't go with what you call that idea I thought the Latin comedy show was. That it was like Benny Hill. Like they were very body their humor and things like that much you know a base base comedy it's not a higher comedy but it's a broad comedy let's say and they don't go for the stereotypes right the maximo is not a total fuck up right when he's there but he does screw up sometimes and his friend who's kind of little big and oafish is not a t- is not an idiot Right, the owner of the resort, a retired um, actress from the U.S., who's from daytime soaps, and her the general manager is her son Chad, and there's a beautiful girl behind the uh, that the front desk person Julia, who's Mexican or no Colombian of Colombian descent, and all these characters. Don't fit in. They don't make fun of the menial people having small lives. They make their lives rich. You know, just as important. It's not about the wealthy people. It's not like White Lotus when you go to White Lotus. It's that people, they they equalize the lives of the working class Maximo, who's working at the resort to help his widowed mother and who works her ass off, who's losing her eyesight, and his sister. And the the wealthy, uh, you know, female soap star, that a retired female soap star, is not a hard, care, careless, you know, owner. She's someone he can relate to. And there's a character called Don Pablo, who's an a more mature Mexican guy who runs, who's not the general manager, but he runs the whole staff at the resort. And he, he seemed kind of iron fisted and, and a disciplinary person, but he, he has, he has wisdom, but he's still, you know, tight on his, on the discipline. So there's all these things. These characters don't fit that stereotypical mold and their humor doesn't go that way. And they're usually the shows don't end up the way you think they would go. And it's not with a twist. They're not trying to mess with you. But that great thing about it is it's normalizing if you if you don't if you don't like subtitles, yeah, you're gonna have to read some subtitles. You're gonna have to read some subtitles, but it's not through the whole show. And I think the uh, what was it, Swedes or Norwegians that did did a lot of shows in English and Norwegian, a couple of their shows. They did. They did a comedy show with the guy from uh, Sopranos who gets goes into witness protection. I think it was Norway. Yeah, it was in Norway. And the show is mostly in English, which is smart because you know Norway's a small country. How many pe- people speak uh, speak Norwegian? If you get like thirty percent of Norwegian people watching it, you may get like two million people. If you get one percent. Of the U.S. to watch it, you get three million people. Yeah, see. So, 
But with this Spanish thing, it just, you get more acquainted. You hear it, you know, if you, if you know any, if you try to learn the language, it's nice to really get acquainted when you hear it said and you say, oh, why, this sounds like that word. And this is how they used it. With the guy Maximo was talking to his nephew and he says, I'm going to tell this story in English because you're Spanish. You speak Spanish, uh, I think he said with a poor quality or something like a drunken tourist. And the boy goes, uh, Mi Espanol es muy bueno. And he said it probably not as good as that. And the kids, <laughs> the kids uh, from has a Latin heritage. There's a lot of people I know, they're kind of embarrassed by their native tongue. And I don't think they should be. For years and years and years, I've, when I was in high school and then in college, I, I did French, Spanish, I don't know why, I, did, I should have did Spanish and then French. But I did French and I have a working knowledge of both French and Spanish and Polish. So I can get around a restaurant, find a bathroom, go grocery shopping, pay for my things. I can go out by myself with that. I mean, if I'm in another country. But I really think that uh, I never really understood why people would get all worked up about learning another language. As if it was something bad. There's studies that show that learning Spanish kind of activates area of your brains just the way other languages conjugate or the way they place their modifiers. In English, most modifier, modifiers are placed prior to the noun. Okay? But in other languages, they do it after. And they when they conjugate, and when they use the pronouns. And the way they make nouns their nouns, and in, in especially the other Latin languages, they have masculine and feminine. And some of them, like for a desk and a pen, I think a pen in Span uh, wait, French, is le stylo, and that's masculine. I think the writing implements are, are almost all... I could be wrong. I Actually, I never... I don't really know what the word in French for Spanish. I remember stilo, and that's already... God, that's more than 40 years. But those things, uh, just being able to learn, the process of learning makes you think and order your knowledge differently. And as for an experience that when you're hearing things in another language, you start realizing that, you know, most languages, though languages are different, mental concepts are the same. So when someone's in love, they use words that, you know, if you're, you're, you're posing words of romance to someone, you know, in Spanish, Italian, French, and English, the concepts are the same. It's just the structure of it. And some of it may sound a lot better. Yeah, it may, it may sound, but you know, even in Polish. I'm sure it's beautiful. I I do I do know how to speak some Polish and stuff like that, but uh what's the other? God, I'm just drawing a blank right now. 
I am on medication, so it's hard. But the point I wanted to make was, though I just have working knowledge of it and stuff like that, I do not doubt, I do not doubt that me knowing these languages aren't affecting me negatively. So I can only assume it has a neutral, okay, a neutral or positive. And people say, well, maybe it is affecting you negatively. Maybe you can only think about that foreign word. Well, you know how when I explained to you before some of the words I use, and people say, I don't know that word that you're using. And I say, well, that's the only word I know right now. That's the only one I can recall. But when you're thinking in several languages about the word for love, amor, amo, gohemcha, uh, I think that could be me. Yeah, that's love. That it's all the same thing. And then we realize is that the, what's the ideas are common, the languages are different. But then when you hear it explained and you see the subtitles and you see the way the person's reacting, you say, "Oh, well, I can imagine them saying it in English." And sometimes when I'm doing it and I'm not paying it close enough attention to it, I could tell by the way they're acting what was saying and I read it and I don't know if it's my knowledge of that language that foreign language or me just interpreting what they're saying by the way they look and if you can tell by this way someone behaves and see that they said what you thought they said then we do share a lot the languages aren't so different. The concepts are the same. So what's the big deal about learning something different? Just broadens your mind. Well, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Key Largo Chocolate. Check them out at www.keylargochocolate.com. If you do call them or order from them or go into their place in Key Largo or Amarada, please tell them the Keys Bartender sent you. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you later. Bye. 